My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a crisp autumn morning here in the capital and I'm delighted to say that my guest on today's show is Alistair Ray, the CEO of HPICE Proof. Um, Alistair, thank you for joining us on the programme and welcome to the show. Thank you, my pleasure. Now, Alistair, just for those regular listeners that may not be familiar with yourself and your company, uh, HPIC Proof, you're the UK government-approved body for the issuing of certificates um, relating to pressure equipment, machinery and recreational craft. That's right, isn't it? That's great, yes. Yes, fantastic. So you're certainly well-versed uh, when it comes to sort of regulatory compliance in the engineering industry. Um, you've sort of built the business up, sort of made it um, one of the largest companies of its kind, um, not just in the UK, but perhaps in the uh, the world as well. But I can imagine that for you as well, even with all of that success behind you, the last 18 months have still continued to be unprecedented in the nature of the challenge that we faced with the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, thinking about um, the last couple of years that we've had, um, how difficult has it been for yourselves operationally to navigate through this? And what sort of challenges have you experienced yourself? Well, um, it, it's been a very challenging time for us because not just COVID, we, we've had Brexit, of course, come to reality in the middle mm. of it. And, uh, and on the big spectrum of, of how much companies are affected by Brexit, from, from those not affected at all to those catastrophically affected, we are right at the very sharp end of the catastrophically affected, uh, in that we used to be a certification company for, for Europe with a license from the European Commission, and of course that was withdrawn on the 1st of January this year. Mm. Um, uh, in return, of course, we had a license from the UK government to carry on certifying in UK. Um, and I must say, we saw it coming, so we, we did set up a company in Ireland before the referendum even uh, to, to deal with that. But but that was a, a huge seismic change for us. And, and of course, having this change, all our certificates became invalid uh, that were issued for Europe from UK on the 1st of January. So that was an enormous logistical challenge in itself. And then on top of that, of course, we had COVID, which mm. right at the very beginning, when, when the first lockdown hit, um, all our customers who are largely manufacturers in various sectors, they all shut down. Um, although the government did give them instructions that, that manufacturing should continue, um, of course, the poor manufacturers just didn't know who was going to turn up for work. Um, people were worried about it. People had underlying health Ill, Ill, um, issues. Some people were, were shielding and caring for others. And, and so they just didn't know who would turn up to work each day and, and, and couldn't operate. So for a few months, um, even though the government was encouraging manufacturing to continue, we found all our customers shut down. Um, which did put us into a bit of a, a panic, I must say. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, everybody who ran through the company was in, was in that state of panic. And, and uh, less than we did have a, a delegation of staff come to us and, and say that uh, since they were working from home now and they weren't driving, they could afford to have a pay cut. And mm. uh, they, they, they had this big sense of, uh, of disaster looming. Um, but actually, after a couple of months, um, I have to say, very impressed by a lot of the manufacturers in, in UK who, whose management sort of pulled together, pulled a focus, reduced the, the scope of what they were manufacturing to focus on the better product, um, came out with a plan that, that, that the staff could buy into, and um, suddenly production ramped up again and, and worked it back. Um, and in fact, in certain sectors, like we, we certify recreational craft, as in pleasure boats, um, mm. it boomed and, and still is booming. Um, it's actually better now than it's, uh, than it's been for decades. Um, so it's an actual fact the the, the sense of doom and foreboding that we had right at the beginning is, is turned out uh, to be un, uh, unnecessary. 
Yeah, certainly. And um, we've seen some fantastic um, sort of innovation and um, some incredible pivoting from industry, haven't we, over the course of this time? And it is testament to just how flexible we are um, as business. Um, and when we think about um, sort of the early stages of the pandemic, when you talked about that delegation of staff um, who volunteered to obviously take a pay cut to help the business and that sort of worry that was there initially, um, did you actually find it easy to sort of maintain morale in-house and control that side of things? Um well, once we went into lockdown, of course, everybody's working from home, so it's quite difficult. So we did a few you know, events like I suppose everybody did on on, on Zoom and Teams and sending around uh, you know, silly games to play all together on Zoom. But but actually, that, that when I look back now, that time is very short. Um, and, and we were never in a position of we didn't have any work to do. There was always work to do. And uh, so, um, no, we didn't, we didn't really struggle in, mm. in that sense. We just felt that we were going to. No, that's certainly very encouraging. And um, you talked as well about um, the sort of that being a brief period, but homeworking being something that sort of manifested itself during that time out of necessity. And there's been a lot of talk, of course, since then over the many months um, of the pandemic um, about how that could now be a permanent fixture in the way that we do business in this country, because a lot of businesses are shifting toward those sort of hybrid and flexible working models. Um, is that something that's applicable at HPIC proof? Is that something you can well, see? Once again, talking about the spectrum of how these things affect you, for us, it, it, it's quite more dramatic than most because while we, we work out of an office, actually the majority of staff would probably spend at least 50% of the time, if not more, out visiting customers. Um, you're doing certification where we're inspecting and auditing uh, a great deal of the time. Um, and uh, suddenly we're in a position where, well, certainly we've been allowed to carry on inspecting in the UK, but a lot of our customer base is, is outside the UK, um, and we weren't able to travel. Um, and, and so we've been forced into to doing remote inspections through you know, asking the customer to run around with a video camera and and, uh, um, and, and with a, a still camera to take detailed photos and, and sort of direct an inspection from, from your bedroom uh, remotely. Um, and, and to begin with, I must say, we, we thought this was going to be a poor way of doing it, but we had no choice. But, but actually what's been proven is that the technology now exists to make that quite an effective um, inspection. Mm. Um, and in fact, in many ways, um, we found that it's improved. I, I remember one inspection I did where, where on a boat that was in Taiwan, where the design team were in Florida, the production team, the management team, anyway, were based in, in uh, California. Um, and we were all able to be in on the inspection. So when a question came up of, you know, what's that detail? We haven't seen one of those before. Then, then suddenly there was a whole team there to explain it, to justify it, provide the documentation and, um, and credentials. And, and so actually, it may be a much richer inspection than if it's been just me climbing around a boat in Taiwan. So, mm. so that's kind of proven that actually we can work very well remotely. Um, mm. and, and since the last lockdown passed, um, of course, a number of staff who, who previously had said actually they, they didn't want to work from home have suddenly said actually quite would like to work from home now uh, if we can. So we are starting to move to a point where, where people are working at least a couple of days a week from home. Um, and uh, yeah, so far it's working very, very well. I, ha I have to say that with being you know, the, the kind of work that we do, it's very. If, if somebody was sitting at home and not doing their work, it'd be very easy for us to, to know that because the customer wouldn't get their certificate and they'd be on the phone before you know it. 
So it, it's not an easy business. Sorry, it's not a difficult business for us to manage in, in, in a work from home sense. Yeah, it's interesting that you um, say that actually, because I suppose a lot of people would potentially say in the industry that you're in that, oh, there's nothing like obviously going and seeing something face to face. But obviously, we've got the technological advancements now to sort of make remote inspections effective. And indeed, you can connect with more of the uh, the relevant stakeholders, can't you? So, yeah, very, very fascinating yeah. indeed. Yes, um, indeed. And, and, and I honestly think that if this had happened perhaps 18 months earlier, that perhaps we wouldn't have had that, that case. When, when you hear about companies like Zoom and, mm. and their products, I mean, they're, they, they're so new to the, to the game. That I think um, you know, even eighteen months would have perhaps been told a different story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I say, it's come. It's come at a, um, sort of a not a good time. Obviously, I think um, everybody really wants a pandemic ever to come along, really, uh, because it has been very difficult and a very tragic time. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got the technology in place to sort of make the best of it and really sort of scale up and drive forward that digital revolution. Exactly. And um, the come with that comes benefits, doesn't it? Because you, we talked about sort of how some of your staff members have um, sort of taken a preference to uh, to working remotely. It seems that sort of prospective employees, when they're looking for roles in the job market that's out there now, they want flexible working to be part of the option. So the demands that employees have of their employer are starting to change. And a lot of the benefit, I suppose, that comes with um, flexible and hybrid working is sort of the benefit for mental health and the work-life balance. And that is an issue that has really been amplified by the pandemic, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, it, it seems that people um, obviously want to spend more time with their family and, and mums and dads want, both want to be doing uh, school drops and school pickups and get to the school play and, and, and all of that. But, but actually, I, I'd say a very large element of it is, is the environmental side of it. Um, some people, you know, where husbands and wives are both working, um, tend to live halfway between the works, and, and that means they can be travelling quite great distances between them. Um, and, and saving the, uh, the the exhaust fumes out of the exhaust pipe is, is, is certainly one of the bigger motivating factors in, in that as well. Mm, absolutely right and um, it's a very topical issue at the moment isn't it with COP26 having been held in the UK this year a lot of talk about the next big challenge we have to address following the pandemic being the climate change challenge so um, businesses attention is going to start turning to that and I think when sort of remote work does offer a very sort of green alternative in some cases it sort of prevents you from going down sort of a two-hour motorway journey for a half-hour business meeting I mean this is something which is quite practical and quite good to consider. Yes, indeed. I mean, certainly, I mean, working from home is one element to it, but of course, our remote inspections is the other. I mean, mm. we, of course, we would try our best not to be flying around the world just to see one product, but but yeah. it has happened from time to time. Um, and and now we're in a position where we can do remote inspection, and and, and the, the organisations that audit us and give us our licences, they themselves are doing remote audits of of us. Um, then then that means I mean, it's vast savings on on cost, on time, lack of sleep, but but also exhaust fumes out of airplanes um, in, in in not doing that. So um, yeah, it, it, if there's a silver lining to all of this, then 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 there it is. Yep, absolutely. And um, we have learned an awful lot from the uh, the pandemic. I think that's absolutely right. And um, from a personal perspective, actually, Alistair, um, would you say that you perhaps have learned something from this experience of let's call it crisis management that you've had over the last two years? Yes, and I, I suppose I have. I, I don't know that, that, that yes, certainly the news of, of Omicron and, and all of that, but mm. I, I don't know that we're yet in a position to look back and say, what is it? That of course. Uh, I mean, certainly what I have learned is is attitudes of employees that, that, that actually that it is a family. Um, and that delegation, as I said, that came to us and said, you know, no, nobody had yet put out a call saying that this crisis is coming, but they obviously felt it and... and uh, 
and and so they felt that they, they could make that offer. And and I have to say that that suddenly realise that we're all in this together, and it is a family. It isn't management and employees. Um, and and in fact, not just that, but also the, the customers are part of that. Um, you know, they need their certificates to get the products on the market. Um, and and they're willing to do whatever they can to make things flexible to make it work. And and so actually, in in many ways, it's been quite gratifying um, that, that it's just not a, a, just a a process of quality assurance following procedures um, that, that actually everybody's put together and, and, and sort of worked out solutions. It's, it's um, you know, it, it, it definitely it, it's made it difficult, but it's but a quite an enjoyable and gratifying experience to come out the other side of it. Mm. And essentially what you've been doing over the, this last couple of years as well is running two businesses, one operating in the UK, one in Europe as well. Um, we've overcome sort of the challenge of the initial two or three lockdowns um, in England, of course. Um, we're seeing sort of the, the hard won gains of the economic reopening, but we are also grappling with the challenges of supply chain issues, the Brexit hangover, um, the cost of living going up. So it's not been essentially sort of a smooth route out of uh, the pandemic by any means. And there is, of course, the variable of Omicron now on the trajectory that that's going to take the pandemic on. So when we think about the future with all of that in mind, um, are you seeing sort of real signs of that things are on the up and are you optimistic or is it still a little bit sort of cautious from your perspective? Well, for us as an organisation, actually we're, we're, we're booming. Um, you know, the last few months are the, the best few months we've ever had and, and each month better than the last. Um, so uh, when we look forward, our, our challenge actually is recruitment. Um, mm. By far our biggest challenge. Um, we're, we're not putting um, COVID uh, or even Brexit as, as one of the challenges that, that we have to deal with at the moment because, um, as I say, we, we found a solution in doing the remote inspections and, and people are working from home and it's working as well as in some cases, perhaps even better. Um, so so our biggest challenge at the moment is dealing with the boom. Um, and, and I would say certainly in, in, in the UK, um, finding engineers is not an easy easy thing to do. I think there was a time in the past when... Uh, um, you know, young people coming out of school didn't choose to do engineering. I mean, I say, I'm pleased to say that they do now, uh, but there was a gap, and, and I think mm. we're suffering for that gap right now. And Brexit plugged it. Um, I have to say that the, the marine and non-marine sides of our company, one's run by a Spaniard and one's run by an Italian, because you just couldn't find those, those British engineers at the, at the time. Um, and with Brexit, of course, uh, the, the pool of those European people has, has reduced. Absolutely. Uh, mm. But we're all fighting for over a very, very small number of engineers. Um, so, so that's by far our biggest challenge at the moment. It actually isn't COVID and Brexit. It's, it's although mm. perhaps you could say recruitment's impacted by Brexit. Um, but yeah, find, finding people is, is our issue. Of course, we 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 don't have um, uh, we don't have a supply chain a supply of uh, components. Yeah, you know, we're not manufacturing, so we don't have issues of, of things not finding trucks. Um, our, our supply chain issue is, is recruitment. Yeah, exactly. And you're not certainly the uh, the only sector that, that's experiencing issues um, in that. The skills shortfall in various industries has been very well documented in the UK in recent years, and it has been exacerbated by COVID and by Brexit, of course. Um, we're seeing a lot of talk in Westminster from ministers about trying to uh, deal with this issue. We're seeing sort of the rollout of T-levels. We're seeing the kickstart schemes try and get people sort of transitioning into sectors where there are skills shortages, because obviously there's been a lot of unemployment during the uh, the pandemic and a lot of people moving into different roles um but are you sort of optimistic that you know we're actually going to see the solutions that industries like yours need because we're seeing t-levels but the rollout it's been very very tentative so far i think it's fair to say yes i, I am optimistic actually um i have done a number of talks in, in local schools about uh, careers in engineering 
And um, even in the time that I've been doing that, I can see a marked change. Um, you know, the, the number of people at the end of it who come to, to ask questions has dramatically grown. Um, uh, engineering somehow has has started to become, uh, you know, let's say sexy again to the, to the kids. I, I don't don't know what television programs or what things have done that, but I'm quite sure that there are government programs that, that uh, have led to that uh, that result. And, and the other side of it is, um, at the moment, salaries are rocketing um, in the engineering sector, absolutely rocketing. And I can tell you that having done a number of appraisals over the recent weeks, um, you know, some quite significant jumps are having to be made to hang on to people that, uh, that you know, others would be fighting for. So I, I think it has become more attractive. It's certainly become more interesting. And, and I see for myself at the schools that the, the, the kids are more interested in engineering than ever they were. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that sort of perception of the industry is a more kind of high paid role now. I think that's certainly helping sort of change the dynamic, isn't it? Because I think I suppose a lot of the sort of the issue behind the skill shortfall in industries like engineering was the fact that people sort of saw academic um, jobs as being just a little bit more lucrative but that seems to be really shifting now and um, we're seeing as well from sort of the uh, the key workers that we've had during the pandemic those that have not just worked on the front line in healthcare but have also helped keep the economy running and key services running during this time they're being hailed as heroes aren't they there's a lot more goodwill in these industries and I think that's also helped. Yes, absolutely. Yes, there, there was a, a time um, when it, it was all about uh, you know, rock stars and film stars and, and that's all anybody wanted to talk about. But suddenly people are interested in science for the first time in a long time. Mm. You know, the discussion down the pub might well be about chemistry and vaccines and things like that. So yeah, that, that's all good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, hopefully the future looks bright as well for um, your own um, organisation, HPR, yeah, moving forward into this uh, next year. And all being well with Omicron and making sure that we don't sort of slide back into any more uh, recession. Um, let's sort of think about what you want to achieve by this time next year. Where ideally do you sort of see your business by this time in 2022? Well, actually, our, our initial challenge, I mean, other than the recruitment side of it, is, is dealing with the, uh, the, the post-Brexit uh, changes. Um, mm-hmm. but the, you know, as I said, we're right at the sharp end of those changes. And to explain how sharp how sharp an end we are at, um, the, the deal with between UK and EU wasn't agreed until I think it was uh, Christmas Eve of mm. uh, last year. So that meant we hadn't yet seen what the deal was going to be for certification because the, the UK government was looking for a mutual recognition agreement with with Europe. Um, and that's to say that the UK certification companies could carry on certifying products for Europe and European certifying com- certification companies could certify products for the UK market. Um, and so they'd only have to go through the, you know, apply to the one body to, to get that dual certification. Um, now, the EU said no to that. Um, and as a result, um, the, uh, you know, you can only, cert- you know, you need a UK and European certification company to certify your product to sell in both areas. Um, now, we didn't know until seven days before the end of the year whether there was going to be an agreement or not. Um, and it meant seven days to go to the end of the year. We didn't know what our UK company could put in its website to say we could do. Um, and so, as well as that, on the 1st of January, as I said earlier, the, the, all the UK issued certificates for Europe became invalid. Um, and that meant that all the customers had to have new certificates from Europe for the, for the products that, that uh, had suddenly out of date certificates. Um, now, the, the initially the the, the end uh, what well, the government said that in the UK at least we will accept Europe European certified products until the end of this this year, um, but they've extended it now until the end of next year to, to give us time to to transfer everything across. Because our challenge is is that whereas um, a certificate for Europe that, that included UK covered twenty seven twenty eight countries, 
um, suddenly it doesn't anymore. A UK certificate for, for UK, the new UK regulations only covers UK. And maybe some countries out there don't sell enough in the UK to bother going through that certification process. Um, and so there's an awful lot of companies in the supply chain bringing products to Europe that, that were just a, a distributor within within Europe, but suddenly now the importer into UK, into these new reg- regulations. Um, and suddenly they have a legal obligation to go through the certification process that perhaps their supplier doesn't, doesn't want to get involved with. So for our industry, we, our, our big challenge at the moment is, is sorting out those supply chains, finding out who's going to take responsibility for the new UK certification to new UK rules. Mm. Um, and we've got to have all these certificates delivered by the end of next year. So, so in, in terms of where we're going to be in the next year, it, it's recruiting new people um, to deal with the, the, the peak of that wave. Um, and, and certainly on the marine side of it, on the certification of, of, of marine products, small craft, Persian uh, products, uh, we are the only certifier at the moment. We, we know there's others coming up, applying for that process, but we are the only ones who can do it. So we know we've got an awful lot to do by the end of next year to, to meet that challenge. So our focus at the moment is, is, is entirely on that. Um, once we got to the end of next year, then then we'll come out with our, our sort of five-year plans of where we go thereafter. Um, and, and I mean, we had a, a discussion about this just a few days ago in the, in the management meeting that, that we've always had five-year plans, but we haven't had one for the last few years. And, and that's because how, how could we? <laughs> in the realms of Brexit, where we you know, seven days away, we didn't know what the company was allowed to do. Mm. Um, and, and then COVID on top of it, there was just no point in having a five-year plan. So, um, yeah, so our plan is to get to the end of next year, do all the transition for the, the, the Brexit certification, the new UK regs, and, and then we'll come up with a new plan thereafter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually spoke to a medical device specialist who was on the program um, the uh, the other week talking um, exactly about this and sort of the difficulties around the new sort of UKCA product marks and having to sort of get a set for the UK, get a set for Europe when it used to sort of all be universal before. So it is difficult. Um, it is a tremendous challenge. And of course, with yourselves being the ones that provide it within the marine industry and others, of course, um, you're facing challenges um, of your own. And I do wish you all the be- the luck in the world, um, Alistair, in um, sort of overcoming those issues over the uh, the next uh, few months. And hopefully um, when we sort of start to see what kind of shape the landscape is taking, we could perhaps even revisit this and uh, talk about the success that you've had in doing that, because it is a tremendous challenge. And it's one that unfortunately is completely unavoidable. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, Alistair, thank you um, as well for joining us on the uh, the programme uh, today. It's been wonderful having you with us just to sort of get a little bit of a bird's eye view as to what's going on in your sort of niche corner of industry. And um, before we do wrap up, um, please do as well take care and stay safe with all still going on. Uh, and thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, enjoyed the experience and uh, thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And to all of our regular listeners tuning in as well, um, if you um, think that you um, have your own story of success and of innovation to share with us here at the Leaders Council, then you can also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. And who knows, it might be you joining us on the program next. Um, Until then, to all of our regular listeners, do take care and goodbye until next time.